What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Disc Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all love and support, and thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform, and make sure you give us a five-star rating if you're loving the Deep Disc Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. This is Deep Dish, right? Yeah, well, let's get deep. So, so I'm, I'm going deep on both sides. Amber, welcome to the platform. How you doing? I'm well, thank you. Welcome to Nashville for your thank second you. time. And I need to give you that tour eventually right. from a Nashville native. Right. Um, hopefully you enjoyed your time and, you know, Southern hospitality here. I have enjoyed my time thus far, yeah. You had Absolutely. some Nashville hot chicken yet? Uh, nope. <laughs> you ain't even been here then. You, you might as well ain't even been here. Um, I'm really excited to get into our conversation, and um, this is the first deep disc conversation off-site. Yeah. And so I'm really. I was wondering about that. Yeah. 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 So I'm excited to to talk to to you about your art and what that means to you, but also what that means to the society we live in Hmm. historically and uh, and and currently, Mm -hmm. um, especially from a social justice lens, in which I know the approach that you take, uh, just in your personal life, but also in your art. Absolutely. And so. Let's talk about the beginning. Um, where did this inspiration to want to dive into art, be an artist, mm-hmm. um, come from? And I know this is a, a probably a hell of a journey for you. So give us the condensed, straight to the meat and bones version, and mm-hmm. then we can like kind of dive more into that. Um, so. You know, it might sound a little um, fairy tale-ish, you know, but literally I've known I wanted to be an artist since I was eight. Um, I, my mother made sure to expose uh, the, the importance um, of creating very early on for myself and my younger brother. And um, creating early on just became a way of expressing myself. And uh, sh- you know, sharing my concerns with either with myself, you know, through journaling and drawing, or and or with others. And um, you know, I I remember my first um, my first art teacher that really made a point to show and, and share my work with the class type of thing. Um, and when uh, she really appreciated my work, and I remember how that felt. And it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, this is a tool. You know, this is one of the ways in which I successfully convey, um, you know, point or a concept or whatever. And I probably couldn't verbalize it at that point in the same way, but it was a clear connection to who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've known since I was eight, right. you know, um, that I, I wanted to be an artist. I, w- I wanted to be a creator. I know you talk about, like, um, the importance in the, the impact that your mom had on you. Yeah. Right. Uh, growing up in Arlington, Virginia. Yeah. Right. Um, can you talk to us a little about like that upbringing yeah. in Arlington, Virginia, having an Afro-Latina mom, um, Spanish being your first language initially, and then like not wanting to speak Spanish, Spanish. because yeah. you was getting teased, right? Yeah. Um, which which is a lot of layers underneath that mm-hmm. um, as well. So like, can you take us through that a little bit? Yeah. So in the order you said it. Um, if it had happened earlier, meaning if there was more influence and more support in the, the Spanish, knowing and my Spanish portion of my, my um, entity, it might have 
it might have changed my, my life tremendously, right? I might not have decided at an early age that I didn't want to speak Spanish, but it didn't, unfortunately. The teasing happened really early, and nobody wants to be bullied. You know, and or nobody deserves to be bullied. Yeah. So my five-year-old self, you know, um, decided to tuck away a part of a sliver of who I am mm-hmm. um, in order to, you know, just cope. Right. Um, and I, I, as I talk about this, you know, specifically in the body that work, uh, works behind me that we're going to be talking about, I, I often mention, you know, I know now as an adult, grown-ass woman, um, that it was a form of assimilation. But... That was the five-year-old self. That's how she chose to deal with it. But let's go back to my mama. I love my mama. (laughs) I absolutely do. I don't know if there's such a thing as a mama's girl, but I am definitely, you know, one of the poster children of it. Um, My mom found ways to absolutely support my authentic self. Mm -hmm. And um, and that, that meant a lot. It meant a tremendous, you know, and, and I often often talk about like we all we all to some extent have been damaged, right? We all to some extent have people that supported us and people that did not, and or people that just did their best, whatever that meant for them. And so I say that, and I love my grandmother, but I, I also know that the relationships between my mother and some of her people that parented her mm-hmm. um, were not the most the most ideal right? right and grandma forgive me <laughs> but I say this because I want to make a point that my mother went out of her way to create a different experience for myself and my brother and and eventually other um, adopted siblings you mm-hmm. know and that conscious energy conscious choice impacted me Because, for example, I don't know if I had grown up with any other human being, would I still end up being the Amber Robles Gordon that I am today? Mm -hmm. Um, Because part of our socialization happens through crushing spirits. Right. Right. And so, um, I kind of want to just go ahead and jump straight into this because um, you use the word assimilation, Mm. (laughs) which which, which is very easy to do as a black person and as a black woman, um, and, and at five or at 25, mm. or at 35 or 45, mm. uh, because the limited presence that you all are in, mm. the limited opportunities historically and currently that you all have to be in spaces of power. Mm. Uh, and many would feel like, well, in order to get in these spaces, I have to assimilate. I have to conform, whether that's uh, what I do with my body, hair, mm-hmm. how I talk, clothing, all of those things, microaggressions, right? Because mm. um, so, those are real. Yes, because those are real. And so how have you been able to stay your authentic self um, in the art world mm. and not assimilate and, mm-hmm. and, and be courageous and brave? Um, mm. Because I really believe in creating a brave space, but I believe being black and more specifically being but a black woman authentically right. is brave and courageous in the society in the United States that we live in. Amen. Yeah. To the last part. Um, I will say that I don't think it's easy though. Okay. Um, I, I think it's more of things that we realize we have to do. Okay. Um, to a certain degree. And some of us, you know, maybe decide not to and, and that and the ramifications of that based on living in a patriarchal 
racist society. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, that, that happens to the people that d- decide not to, or where in the line they go back and forth in relationship to how they represent themselves, right? So I don't think it's easy. Okay. It is a daily, daily, you know, from a cellular conversation to a brain, you know, the, the amount of, uh, what are those, mm, accents and whatever the, I can't remember the names of the things that go on in your brain. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it's literally, that whole second consciousness, you know, or double consciousness, we have like triple consciousness, you know, right. and, and I'm, and if you throw in another um, Americanism or, or slash you are this as well, I think it increases the level of consciousness that you have to be uh, aware of, right. you know, especially from the point of being a person of color or, you know, having a different, a different sexuality preference or having, you know, a disability or there's just a range. Um, the more you have to deal with when it comes to accommodating someone else's, the larger scale um, people in power, the more you have to adjust your consciousness, your, in your behavior. And what's interesting about that is I think that our society is, to some extent, some of us are waking up to that acknowledgement or in the process of, or, and or they're fighting against it tooth and nail. Um, because that means that in order for us to acknowledge that, people have to acknowledge themselves. They have to acknowledge their own personal histories and their, their conscious um, and or reluctant um, buy into that. Mm. So that was a long answer, and I don't know that it dr- <laughs> completely yeah, no. answered your question. No, um, how does that relate to your presence in the art world? Ah, right, and how did I manage that? How did I manage to maintain it? Okay, yeah, I meant, um, hmm. I don't think I would have been able to if, I, if my mother hadn't supported, like I said earlier, my th- authentic self. And there are certain things that I've had to be very um, aware of and conscious of and, and say that maybe this isn't the path for me um, when it comes to decisions in, in my artistic journey. Um, but also, you know, one of the things I absolutely did was um, I made sure, because I, I went to, mag, I was put in magnet schools, right, in Arlington, Virginia. And so that absolutely directed some of my path, you know, definitely. And um, I was always one of the handful of what I would call colored people in, in these larger white uh, school systems, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you really have to be a certain level of, of good with yourself and or working, realize that it's something that you have to continually work on in order to be, um, to have, sit up with a straight spine mm-hmm. um, and uh, be good to people, be good to yourselves and make decisions that are based on um, your character and, and how you want to show up in the world, right? And so I've had to, I have had to take those values and, and walk them over to, you know, the art world. Um, and or when I slip, I got to remind myself, whew, you know, is that how I want to show up for the world and for mm-hmm. myself, more importantly? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a level of checks and balances, you right. know. Uh, and it has not always been easy, but. So, so I want to dive a little deeper. For us that are not in the art world, like myself. Yeah. 
what does that pushback look like when hmm. someone, some some organization, institution, gallery, whatever it may be, um, appreciate you, mm-hmm. but maybe want you to go in a different direction uh, with your work mm. uh, because maybe it is um, pulling out something from them mm. that they haven't dealt with, uh, and your work is calling it out. Um, and it can be, it can, and it can be experiences that you just know people of color experience. Experience, yeah. Maybe not something I've experienced yeah. directly myself. Um, or both. You know, we'll take we'll take both of them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it all. Right. Um, I've I've had. Let me say what I, what I've heard. What I've heard the worst of is absolutely for, uh, of other people's experiences. Okay. I've heard where they have gone to you know usually in MFA programs. And they come with a very specific narrative um, and perspective, and they have been chipped away at, like little cuts, you know, um, in relationship to, to how, how does that relate to the art? How does that relate to the aesthetics? How does that relate to your, you know, overall what you want to achieve? Um, and to me, there's a certain level of teaching and awareness that, that a person has to, has to have and to be able to push back on that narrative that dialogue, because to some extent it is so biased and so based on, on, on to some extent, the, the, a white lens and how, how the art world runs, right? Um, because, because they can question you or question uh, fam, uh, people of color, it's because they don't have the working knowledge of the other histories. Mm-hmm not just your personal social contract and how you came to where you are in relationship to what you, what you create, but it's also that sometimes these institutions don't do the work culturally in other areas of the world beyond um, European perspective, European artwork. So, and, and our society has not, has not deemed it necessary to a certain extent for them to do that work. And uh, I believe that we have to push back on that. I've always believed that we have to push back on that. It's gotten me in trouble, you know, um, but. What is trouble? What does that mean? What, is, what does that trouble um, look like? You know, you, you get people that, um, like for example, the follow-up that doesn't happen. The, the, you, you're being told in your face that, you're going, that they're going to do this and do that or follow up or the great right person for this and you find out later through not, the follow-up does not happen. Um, And sometimes you just have to chalk that up to, I I had to be my most authentic self Mm -hmm. without, and I say that, because some people say, hear, some people hear that and think that means that you can, you know, basically act out or act any Mm -hmm. kind of way. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I have to be able to go to sleep with who I am every night and consciously be aware of, of how I treat myself and or other people and be good with that. Right. Um, I think that's how you balance who your authentic self is. Um, it has labeled here as far as your, 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 who you are as an artist is a multimedia visual artist. Right. Um, that, was, that was a new term for me yeah. um, that I've never seen or heard being self-described as an artist, mm-hmm. can you break that down 
Um, did you did you come up with that label? Oh, absolutely that, not. No, no, that, no. Is that something? That yeah, that's is common? A, that's something that's in the art industry. We're, yeah, we're, and, and we're so learning it, here, Amber. We're learning. <laughs> right, 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 right. But no, so okay, yeah. What is that? What, what does that, that mean? means is that you are, to some extent, uh, you dabble in various mediums okay. uh, in relationship to how you decide to. Uh, create artwork. Okay. So, for example, that is specifically talking more of um, uh, in relationship to like photography, in relationship to video, in relationship to um, uh, the, some of the new or digital media, digital or video medias. And and some of those I, I have been keeping under the wraps, or still working on some of those things that I uh, for myself, and hopefully I will eventually share with others. Um, but it, it, it's about the, the mediums, meaning uh, the mechanism or technique that you decide to convey uh, a subject matter in okay. art, right? Okay. So that's what that means. Okay. Um, Versus somebody that's only a painter. Okay. Which is fine, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, I know myself personally have learned to appreciate different forms of art outside right. of, like, I think what most people are common to is the painting on a canvas. And yeah, that, they, that they tend to go towards the only, what they consider the traditional, yeah, which yeah. is crap. Yeah. Well, no, let's talk about it. Like, why <laughs> is that crap? And um, do you see uh, multimedia visual artists getting more exposure, being more appreciated now? Or is that something that's still opening up? Right. Um, or more people are dabbling into that form of art outside of traditional painting? So the answer is yes to the latter part of your question, and that's because of what the mediums that we have access to. We have access to video, we have access to photography literally in our back pockets or in our purses or wallet, whatever, right. meaning now we even have, you know, videos on our phones. Um, and so more people have access to the methods in which to create and dive into that aspect of creation. Um, the reasoning behind the traditional, um, what I was kind of being snarky about in relation to painting being a traditional medium, that is part of the European lens. And so, for example, if you do the, if you do the research in relationship to how um, the art industry has formulated itself, part of that is based on a, a very European standard of creating um, and how uh, traditionally it's seen out of a European canon, right? Um, and so the work I was talking about before, how some curators or some um, art historians or some you know, critics, and I was saying that they don't do the work in relationship to building up, um, researching and building up when it comes to in writing about works, artists and artwork of, from people of color, it's because they've, all, they've been trained that one way of looking, one, uh, one overall way of looking, one lens is important, is valuable. And in, in, in all honesty, it's just a form of white supremacy mm. because it's basically saying uh, if you are not dictating, creating in what we think is aesthetically beautiful, then you're relegated to over here. Right. And um, oh, that's what the artist of colors, artists, you know, plural, that's one of the things, one of the main things that we have to continually push back on. Because mm. we, we know that that's not, that's not the case. Right. Beauty is not just seen and should not be seen as just one palette, one person, one type of, of beauty. That's, it's, it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, you brought up a word there that I, I'm excited to get into is history. Because when 
when I when I see the art that's behind you, um, and when I've seen your previous work, um, in the thought process, in the research mm-hmm. that has to go into it. So I'm curious if you can, because you, you you have to be like damn a historian, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and really dig into these things and these concepts. You just not. You just can't, you you're just not just putting anything together. Yeah, um, definitely not. <laughs> without like no kind of educational awareness behind it, which I think is amazing, um, and I think shows a level of art intellect mm. that I appreciate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, and it, and it dives deeper uh, than just looking at it because it's something to it, right? That you, mm-hmm. that you're connecting and that you're fusing. Um, so. Can you take us through like that process of like of, of your creation, mm. um, whether it's one of these quilts that's behind us, or just your process when you're thinking about creating uh, a new piece of art? Yeah, and um, it's actually part of the process that I have really fortunate that that I love as well. You know, um, so for example, let, let me use the the quilts. It's a long longer story, but. What it comes to is I usually um, I'm usually engaged or triggered by something that happens to either someone that I see or something that I'm going through in relationship to like the cycles, you know, uh, your process of life, where you are in life, um, and then you you, you kind of have to dissect um, what's happening, why is this happening, why do I why do I think it's happening, and then you have to literally walk the path. You have to do the research. Mm-hmm. Um, and for example, the works, the works that led to this, this series behind me, which is, um, successions traversing U.S. colonialism. And it's, it's a, a combination of now I think it's seven or eight quilts. And the first five, six are representing the U.S. territories. But let me, let me go back. So I, it, I was led to this by a, a series called Place of Breath and Birth. So as I described earlier, I, I, you know, my five-year-old self went to my mother and told her that I didn't want to speak Spanish anymore because I was being bullied, right? Um, and so then later on in life, because I was raised in Arlington, Virginia, but by a certain age, I decided that I, I needed to be able to go back and have a relationship with my, with my birthplace, you know, Puerto Rico. And so I eventually did that. I reached out to a, um, a writer who had been writing about my work on, I think it's called uh, Black Art in Puerto Rico. Okay. His name is Edwin Velasquez Coloso. And I, I try and mention his name every time because I need him to know how intricate you know, and important he was in this process because, one, because, because he started to put my art, my, my art and my name in, in this context of Afro-Latina, it was like so empowering. Um, he helped me get that, some of that back. And I haven't told him directly that, but hopefully he'll see this. But um, so that led to a, a, he recommended my work to, um, uh, her name is Norma Vila um, of the Universidad de Sagrada de Corazón, which is Sacred Art University. And um, she asked me to give a proposal and I proposed the, the show, Place of Breath and Birth. And literally what I would be doing is researching about my own personal heritage, researching about the treatment of Puerto Ricans by the U.S. government, um, coming to the university for a period of time, and, and then I came back doing a residency there, a, a self-appointed residency. I also did a uh, artist, um, couple artist talks and things like that there. Um, but so through that research, I realized that it's not only about the ill treatment of, U- of Puerto Rican U.S. citizens. This is about anti-blackness, mm-hmm. right? I started to realize that 
uh, it's also the treatment of U.S. citizens um, that are part of the U.S. territories, right? And so at the time, I was working on a body of work, the place of breath and birth, for, American, for my solo exhibition at American University. And I went back to my, um, to my curators at the time, uh, Larry Osamensa, and, uh, and I say his name with like the Spanish, which is funny, but, um, and Jack Rasmussen, who's the director of the American University Museums. And I was like, look, <laughs> I, I know we thought that I was gonna be creating, you know, one-sided quilts, but <laughs> I need to make these double-sided. And, um, and what that meant was, because I, I was looking at the works and I was working on two of the political, uh, quilts side by side and you know they're all based on factual information right mm -hmm. but it was just that my energy couldn't only allow me to deposit them into the world with just criticism mm -hmm. um, in some ways I felt I felt like that, that would also be what I am criticizing in relationship to how the U.S. has treated millions of people and I needed to be able to 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 give them an additional artistic life, if that makes any sense. I, I wanted you to have to confront what I'm saying on the front in relation to the, the front, the political side. And I want you to have to walk around and then see um, humanity. Right. What did that, <clears throat> I'm a big time traveler, but explorer. Like, I just like to see myself as an explorer. And it seemed like you did a lot of exploring, uh, just mm -hmm. not with, in your art, but internally with you. Um, mm. How did that reaching back and going back to Puerto Rico, your birthplace, and just your family, you know, lineage, heritage, how did that like manifest in you and change you, make you mm. better? How did that change your art and the outlook of like who you are as a person, but also as an artist? Mm -hmm. Man, you be dropping loaded questions. That's like. <laughs> I, look, I told you, <laughs> deep this conversations, we're going to get into it. Right. And so we're here, awesome. we here for you. We're here to get all into your business. Okay, awesome question. So. Start wherever you want to start. I know. Start wherever you want to start. I know. Um, I think. So, one of the perspectives, uh, you know, and I think, for example, I don't, I tend to not work small, okay. right? And so the place of breath and birth are 18 by 24, and they're these very dense, layered collages. And even some people have, when they've come up to them, they, they see them as small flags, right? And, and to some extent, they may, they may very well be. But um, I, I literally, my goal was just to distill all this like emotional information, visual information, cultural information, and slight critique, you know, all on this, this plane, you know? Um, and I absolutely think that that was definitely a combination of being an Afro-Latina, going to Puerto Rico, also being raised in Arlington, Virginia, and, and living in the District of Columbia for 20-something years, you know? Um, it, 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 but still being able to condense that onto a, a 18 by 24 canvas, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so it gave me so many layers of insight. Returning back home to Puerto Rico, your birthplace. Right. I'm curious of like, once you touch down, you know, um, black woman, um, in another country, 
Um, it's not another country. Another, not another country, a territory. Right. Thank you. You mm -hmm. know, we're all learning and growing here. Thank you, Amber. <laughs> um, how were you received um, by Puerto Ricans and, and like, the looks that they were giving you possibly uh, because you know i understand like like you know blackness is not a monolith blackness looks different yeah in different places but yeah. people can you know can kind of tell like mm, your hue is a little little different or this, yeah you know and yeah. um and so i'm just curious on how that experience was for you and some of those conversations you might have had about your american blackness compared to you know being uh, Afro-Latino, Puerto Rican blackness, because we know there's black people, Cuba. We know yeah, there's black right. people all over the world. All over the world. Right. You know, and yeah. so. And it manifests to, differently. Yeah. And talk, so talk to us a little bit about that initial touchdown experience and maybe some of the conversations you had with, with, uh, with locals there. Um, and maybe some of the conversations you had with, about your work with them and, and the story that you were trying to tell. Again, another loaded but we we curious. We want to know. Yeah, that's that is a loaded question. Hmm. Hmm. Um. So the first thing that comes to mind is that I I I think I need more of those experiences. Okay. Um. And because, for example, you know, <laughs> uh, Mother Nature got in the way of some of that. For example, I was supposed to have the, the a solo exhibition, a a live in person solo exhibition at Sagrada de Corazón, their okay. their university, university art gallery, um, but it was shut down. It needed to be. Uh, it had a whole a, a series of repairs that it needed it needed to happen because of some water damage. Right, mm. so the show got moved to an online plant platform. Um, but even in the time. Prior to that, when, when uh, my mother and I went there for two weeks to be introduced to the curator, the, the provost, you know, things like that, um, I mean, it, the response was definitely welcoming, you know, but that's also from the art, you know, curator, uh, university perspective. So, for example, I, I haven't, because that, that physical exhibit didn't happen, I haven't had that direct response from a large group, an audience of Puerto Ricans, mm. much less Afro-Puerto Ricans. Yeah. I've definitely had people reach out to me as they, they see where I'm going with, this, with these, this particular two series of works, right? Um, and and what I found, I was even telling um, uh, Susan, the, the gallery owner of this space, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm getting all these emails and people that are realizing like in more like the full layered self who I am, they're like connecting me with other Latinas. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is awesome. You know, and I hope that this absolutely continues. So that's been very interesting. Um, but definitely it's been, it's been more on the, the, le the level of it, art administrators that happen to be of Latina descent or Latino descent, that they're reaching out to me saying, Amber, plug into this, Amber, plug into that. And I'm absolutely grateful. But I need that other, that other ground level of interaction with the works, like even more so. So I'm going to jump ahead because part of, you know, my overall mission for the works, um, both Place of Breath and Birth, and uh, success in traversing U.S. colonialism is to, to stimulate, uh, to further contribute to a conversation about people of the greater majority. Mm. So for example, 
you know, 80% of the world, you know, is not, um, is not, it's not uh, Europeans or white, white people as they may want us to believe. And, and as they structure, you know, the news, as they structure education, as they structure or de, de you know, destructure history, you yeah. know, and how it's presented and fed to us is as though they are, but that is not the case, and it hasn't been the case in a very long time, right? Mm -hmm. Because the majority of the people in this world are people with more melanin, people of color. It's a fact. It's a fact, and actually, what you're seeing, uh, you know, uh, the re the. The instances of just what I consider craziness that's happening in our world right now is, is, is a pushback on that. Mm -hmm. It's a pushback of them feeling the lack of control. So my point real quick is that I, I want this dialogue, these two bodies of works to, one, like Place of Breath of Birth, to specifically support other Afro-Puerto Afro Ricans and Boricuas, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but then this body of work, I, I need for people of color um, to treat each other differently. We need to start looking at each other with our own lens, mm. a clean lens um, that's devoid of anti-blackness. Mm. Um, and so um, there is a term that I cannot remember right now. I wanna say it's, super, it's, it's supernatural, if I'm not mistaken. But it's a term that basically talks about um, getting, working through nationality, working through race, um, and, and, and working towards a greater community of, uh, that is based on how do we treat humanity? How do we treat human beings mm -hmm. outside of these constructs that we have built and formed and stuck ourselves in and or allowed ourselves to be, to be siloed in? Because until we do that, we will always be headbutted against anti-white uh, supremacy. Mm -hmm. um, and so I want that conversation to have to begin. You know, and I say begin. I'm not saying that this work is the good end all, great all, but I want to help contribute to it by looking at um, the foundation of the United States. Because I don't even touch about for the for the most part. You know, the, 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 this side of um, welcome to the District of uh, uh, DC political is welcome to the District of colonialism, right? And on the back side is the spiritual side. So it's talking about the people of the, the, the uh, indigenous people and or Native Americans that were in the tri-state area, right. you know, the, the larger tribes, right? Uh, Maryland, DC, and Virginia. But I don't even talk about the... Um, when it gets into the tribes, and I, I, I just I kind of step back in that. I, if, I, if I ever am able to to have a dialogue, and you know, I, I want to be able to to feel like I'm not treading on anybody's culture. It's not, but I don't even talk about some. I don't I don't talk about Hawaii. I don't talk about mm -hmm. the Philippines. I don't talk about the 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 meaning in the in this work. I don't even talk about the 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 um, entities, the atolls, okay, right. uh, which is you know basically an island with 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 uh, unpopulated island to some extent um, that have more sovereignty, more rights right. than some millions of people that live in the U.S. territories. Right. So there's so much more to be addressed. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it, it's, I'm hoping that, that it can contribute to that continued conversation that absolutely needs to happen. 
Yeah, um, we're going to unpack a lot more. We're going to get a little deeper. Okay. Because, because <laughs> with, with, with your work, with what I can tell and from my, my, my studying, like you really dive in into institutional structural racism, um, U.S. colonialism, um, anti-blackness, as you mentioned, and not only how it affects, you know, us right here in the United States, but also uh, people outside of our, you know, borders and people right. in, in, in U.S. territories. Um, and I want to bring up this word to you. And it's a loaded word because, mm -hmm. you know, I just, I'm just giving you all loaded things today. But the word justice, mm -hmm. because it seems mm -hmm. like um, that's what you're trying to highlight in many ways mm. the lack of justice yeah. um, for, for many folks yeah. um, in the United States and U.S. territories um, that they still haven't received any justice for the harm and violence that have been done to them historically and currently. Yeah. Um, and there's harm uh, that has been done to black folks and people of color in this country historically and currently as well. And so what does what does justice mean? Because I think that word means something different than everybody. What does it mean and what does it look like um, personally hmm. and within your art? Hmm. I don't think we've seen justice yet. Mm, so we don't even know what it looks like. No, we don't look, know what it looks like. Mm. Um, because, you know, that whole continuum, you know, and I'm, I'm going to use the word incorrectly, but I'm doing it for a reason, or the term correctly, like a time continuum. You know, everywhere that we have seen little instances of justice around the corner down the block, it's, it's being imposed, it's being stripped away from others. Um, and I think that... Uh, I think this is probably the third, fourth time I've said white supremacy, but the way that our, our society is built, the way that our world has been constructed or adapted, because it wasn't constructed. We, we weren't born racist, you know? Um, and we use capitalism um, as, as, a, as a crutch, as a, as a evil guide, you know, mm -hmm. to some extent, to allow us to enslave and or to, to put people in, in just horrible situations in order to make money and make um, societies, mm -hmm. basically the foundations of society and continue to them. Right. You know, once, once we've moved, once we've given a certain measure, and I say we, but I, I don't necessarily include myself in this because I'm talking about overall Americanism, you know, and the way that, that our society has been built. Once we move someone up, a group of people up into a, a little, we've given them a little bit of leverage, right? Then we move another grouping of people underneath right. so that they can do the groundwork. Right. Right? Without, without, it, it is a really awful system. And it's not just Americans. Imperialism has happened all over the world. Colonialism has happened, you know, yeah. and it affects, for the most part, people of color, mm -hmm. women, people that don't have a certain amount of education yeah. um, and folks. are relegated to a, mm -hmm. sitting again? And poor folks. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and we replicate this mm -hmm. because we have not allowed ourselves to think outside and or just do better. Mm -hmm. um, and you said earlier, shame on, shame on them, shame on us. Right. Power. Mm. Um, 
what power does art hold hmm. um, for you in order to call out some of the things that we have talked about and that you just mentioned um, to possibly find out what justice looks like or to get some type of justice? What role can art play in that? So, art is a very interesting term, right? It's mm -hmm. an overall overarching term. And, and when we say it, we're not just talking about physical, you know, um, product, right? Physical uh, artwork, whether it be a painting, it's a whole range of things. Right. Um, so for example, art can, can be talking about musicians, right? It, it can be talking about musical comp compositions. Um, it, can be, it can be even, you know, referring to uh, in relationship to design, architecture, right? Yeah. Architecture. It's mm -hmm. how we formulate concepts and then how we aesthetically present them to the rest of the world. Right. And so I absolutely think that people, people in the art industry, we have more understanding of the power of art, right? Um, it, because our passion has driven us to it, either passion or money, mm -hmm. e-commerce, e you know, has driven us to it. I think what happens is that people outside of those realms don't realize how much they're impacted because they don't realize that art includes the image, mm. whether it's a still image and or it's a reeling image, ongoing image, right? right. Um, and the people that are in control of what you see, that's the power, mm. right? And right. then underneath that, the people that are controlled with how they interject narrative that's the power. Hmm. And I think that we're at a point where um, people are questioning versus what you've shown me visually and what you interject in relationship to text and voice and overlaying that on what you're presenting me visually. And we're seeing contradictions that right. we cannot overlook, right. that many of us cannot overlook, right? And <laughs> I think it's an, interesting, uh, it's an interesting place to be in our society. And that is what I'm pushing to I don't know. I don't even know how to phrase that. That's one of the things I'm pushing in the works that I am um, an alternative way of looking at uh, where we are. Right. Um, expectations. Um, what are your own expectations around the uplifting, calling out Americanism, anti-blackness, mm. injustices, all these things? Hmm. What expectations do you have for yourself that you set for yourself when it comes to creating the work that you do um, with understanding these are the things that I want to make sure I call out and highlight and present to folks and be able to talk to all the time. You said something, um, you said, hey, I said like white supremacy like four times, right? Yes. And for me, like, like that's, I think that's, that's, that's part of the issue in our society is like, we should be, we should feel comfortable calling it out because it is we what should. it is. Like we need to call it out more, right? Yeah. And um, and if it makes people cringe, that's a good thing. Lean yeah. into that. 
yeah. you know, deal with whatever you're working with and, you know, and just have a discussion about it. So what are your expectations for yourself and make sure you uphold the level of commitment to calling those things out in your art that you have? Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm killing you. Yeah, I know. yeah. Told you this yeah, is going to be one yeah, of those ones. Interesting. So this reminds me of my conversation that you, you heard with mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Kelly Morgan, right? And we were like, you know, there were points in which, you know, I specifically was talking about points in which when I, I was creating this work, and she was referring to her own curatorial practice and, and our historian practice. And so she, she there's, there's a term I was trying to pull out of her during that conversation. Um, and I, I think it's like she used, she says, an art disruptor or a, cure, a disruptor mm. of, the, of the colonial mechanism or something like that. And she, and she refers to it in relation to her curatorial practice. And, um, and I, I, I definitely think, like, for example, the underpinning of my works, you know, even the works that, you, that, that are there and that are more focused on uh, uh, color, form, rhythm. Um, like, for example, my, my uh, fabric sculptures that are on uh, chicken wire, right? Um, like, a lot of people just see patterns, rhythm, and they, they love it, they're drawn to it, and absolutely, I want you to be. But the, the truth is, is the foundational aspects of why I use chicken wire and is a conversation about masculine and feminine energy in our society. Mm. And it's about the underpinning of what, what that wire and what, what chicken wire is used for to, to uh, contain a, a basically a female um, bird that produces a product. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's a conversation about uh, sexism. It's a conversation about spiritual, about uh, uh, patriarchy. But yet you see, you know, and, and for those that, that, that that's what they see, I want you to see it, see it, keep on seeing it, you know. Um, but for those that, that want to go deeper, please go deeper because there's more, right. you know, there's more meaning, there's more layers. Um, but I digress a little bit. But so going back to the heaviness, so what Kelly and I were referring to is the heaviness of the dialogue, of knowing that who you are is going to make you continue to, have to engage and want to interject in these conversations and create work, create curatorial, create exhibits, you know, um, a curriculum to support that, to have these conversations. It is heavy as hell. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, is that the heaviness when it comes to previewing um, our world and our society, our, our internet, our, our, our scrolls, and, and just, and not feeling as though you're doing enough, at least for my social contracts, my spiritual, who I am as a being, I have to. Mm. I have to, I have to continue this, this conversation and, yeah. and or others, you know, yeah. that are around what we as a society need to work on. I, I, like, like um, what's her name? Mm, Nina Simone says, that's, that's part of the work of an artist. And it should be. So this is the other thing I want to get into. It should be the work of, like, the civil. It should be part of the civil work of all of us to mm -hmm. some extent. Not to say that you have to do it through art, right? right. But more of us need to be engaged civilly in, in, in our society. Um, and some of it, I will say, I do think is a, is, a, is a byproduct of social media and or how engaged we are in, in um, video and, and uh, creating content and I, I think and or I think a lot of it is absolutely systemic. It is done, uh, done purposely, you know, where 
um, specific areas of study are taken away from our children's uh, lineup of things that they are focusing on in their, in their school systems, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I, I think that we need to find a way to get back to um, the basis of civics. <laughs> and I know that's like way left field in relation to an art talk, but it shouldn't be, is my point. We have to be, find a ways to be more present Right. in our society when it comes to how we hold ourselves accountable mm -hmm. and how we hold each other accountable. And so it leads me to urgency. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of crises going on right now, right? Yeah. There's a reproductive rights and reproductive justice crises, homelessness, criminalizing homelessness crises, mm -hmm. anti-blackness crises, white supremacist crises, educational crises, <laughs> Um, wage crises, right? It's, a, it's many crises, right? Yeah. And so um, people are dying. Yeah. People are being killed. Um, and so when you think about urgency and we hear, hey, we have to be urgent. The time is now. Um, clearly, urgency means different things for many people because, again, people are literally dying. Mm -hmm. So when you think of the word urgency in the work that you need to be doing, mm -hmm. And, and, and want to do, what are your thoughts on that? How do you attack that? And what does that mean to you, urgency? Tell me why, why do you ask that question? I ask that question because um, we've seen the same thing happen over and mm. over and over again, mm -hmm. right? We hear the same rhetoric over and over hey we have to do something now we have to take action now mm -hmm. clearly you know um action looks a little different or the action that needs to that needs to happen is not happening mm -hmm. um however the institutions the organizations the systems that keep perpetuating this harm on citizens on people on on on, on lives um their tactics are forever evolving and changing. Mm. And it seems like they have an urgency to keep people oppressed. Mm -hmm. They have an urgency to continue perpetuating anti-blackness, colonialism, and all of these things. Um, so where does people like yourself and me, where does, where, what does our urgency look like and where does mm -hmm. that lie? And does our urgency tactics need to change in the lane that we're in? Because everybody are, is in different lanes. It's not for everybody, I believe, to protest and rally. Everybody's not an organizer. Yeah. Everybody's not an artist. Um, and so from your lane, um, what does that urgency look like in your work in order to help combat the harm and the urgency to harm that the systems continue to perpetuate? Okay, so urgency is a very, a very, um like strong and or very specific term um, that creates a certain a certain level of um, even like energy around it, right? Mm -hmm. And that funnels into it. And I don't know, I know that there are, are places in the world where people have to function in that realm. To me, that's the equivalent of being in survival mode, mm -hmm. right? And we, we know that there are parts of the world that people are daily functioning in survival mode, right? right? Um, whether that be, you know, um, in relationship to uh, actually being in wars or near wars 
or being in, in, in you know, everyday environments and you, like you said, and trying to figure out where's your next meal coming from, right? So, and I will say that there, there are absolutely, the, the way that the stratosphere of, of society, people in our society works, they're tears, right? All of us don't always have to be in urgent mode or in, in, in um, survival mode, right? And which is something I struggle with every, every day in relationship to why, why do we live in a world where, where people have to be in these modes of urgency, right? Um, and because it, it, it also equates to where you are in a privilege mm-hmm. and access resources, mm-hmm. you know, even, even down to like whether or not you have family and, and friends supporting you, right? So, for example, I, I don't know that I, can, I, can, I, I can't live my life in urgency mode or in survival mode. And okay. I've been absolutely fortunate and I'm grateful that I don't have to, right? Okay. Um, however, it, it doesn't mean that I can um, ignore those that are in it mm-hmm. and or um, the issues that cause us. Because mm-hmm. even people to fl- flux in and out of it because it happens, you know? Right. Um, I'm curious. That's, 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 that, that answer is very perplexing to me. Mm. Because you're a black woman in the United States, mm-hmm. which I think is 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 dangerous in itself. But why do you feel like just because just that alone, I feel like that should you should have some level of urgency in your own well, way. Well, let me finish because I wasn't okay, finished okay, with my okay, answer. Okay, sorry. Okay. Okay. So right. what I was going to say is that. I think that if all of us lived in, in that mode, um, we would be living in an even more chaotic society. I think that we would, we would be, because what happens is that you have the flight or fight. You're talking about, you're not just talking about a word, right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about a word that then triggers a, a, a chemical reaction, an actual mm-hmm. body, like in relationship to everything below your brain and then it sends you know information mm-hmm. to the rest of your body and then it comes back and says okay this is how we're going to and sometimes it even it delays how you then respond to it so i know that and, I, and not to say that i haven't had modes in my life where i had to function in in it, in it but mm-hmm. i've also had to be able to um, negotiate that, find ways, you know, whether it be through yoga, whether it be mm-hmm. through prayer, whether it be through a combination of both, um, or whether it be through um, having fun, making sure that I interject fun in between the stuff that I, other stuff that I'm doing. But I cannot function in that mode, and or will I, will I, will I ever? I never want to be in that mode and or wish it on anybody else because I'm afraid for what we would do if we were all of us or m- much more of us were in that mode. You think white supremacy is threatened now? What if we were all in that mode? You're seeing it from the perspective, at least I, I'm, I'm, this is an assumption, you're seeing it from the perspective of what you're doing, right? And how you've decided to show up in the world and how you, how you your nuggets of how you place and interject your, uh, your skill and your, your specialty in the world, right? But that's through your lens. We don't know how other people would function and or, or show up in the world 
And in fact, and, and we don't know how all of them do, but we, also, we definitely know how some of them do. Have you seen your Instagram feed? Have you seen what happens on the nerves when people, in the news when people are in urgency mode? <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I, want, I want you to get it off. I want you to get it off. That's, that's, I'm done. So you said something I think is, is crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, through, through, through people's lens yeah. and perspective, um, which I, I, I should have been more clear about because I think urgency looks, urgency is it's not going to look the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right, and so that's why I was kind of perplexed by your answer because I think your artwork is a representation of urgency mm. to me. Mm. I think this so is we have different definitions yeah, of urgency. Yeah, and so so, um, and and urgency when it comes to a, addressing certain social justice issues is like specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that urgency shows up differently because you you didn't have to do the work that you did but you recognize something um through your journey through your lived experience but i'm telling you that i did have to do the work that i did yeah you're right 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 you but because my spiritual my energy would not allow me not to there were points where i had to look back and say oh am i going to stop this right but see to me that's like that's a that's a that's a sense of like urgency spiritually emotionally like i think to me how 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 I am looking in defining urgency. Yeah. Um, and I think that looks different in in in, in, in compared to also the opposition of people who, who want to keep people oppressed. Yeah. That urgency looks like criminalizing homelessness. Right? So I like I'm not yeah. so like so that's what I mean by urgency and that's why mm-hmm. like um it's not all, you know, like being urgent and rushing and being impatient. Mm. Right, mm-hmm. um, not and, that type. And not of, necessarily in survival mode. Yeah, not when you say urgency, I think of mode. survival mode. Okay, so it yeah. means that I have to do whatever I need to do in this mm-hmm. instance to get out of this situation. Right. right? So if I was, if I, right. if I looked at the work in that way, mm-hmm. I don't know what you would get. Right. But it, what I was trying to say is that in, in relationship to spacing out, because the whole research and planning and and, and creating, it, it can't. Although the message has an urgency, the execution cannot. Right. If I, if I want the work to be successful. Right. And I think that's in that's in anything. Right. Even yeah. organizing on a community level. Right. <clears throat> I might. It's it's a it's long term. A lot of times it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long term goal, um, or a long term plan, um, and so you can have the most effect. Right. Uh, that you want, even though sometimes you're gonna have short term urgency. Like sometimes we just gotta march and go. So right. I gotta take this opportunity to, to say, just think about that. We're saying urgency in relationship to what we're trying to project to the world in mm-hmm. messaging, right? Mm-hmm. But we're, think, we're saying, but in order for it to be executed and, and received as best as it can be in, in whatever industry you are in, right? Mm-hmm. In the world. Uh, um, and, and what I'm interjecting is saying is then on top of that, you also gotta take care of yourself. I agree. Because that is an urgency. Right. You yeah. want to be able to live. You right. want to be able to thrive. You want to be right. provide for your families, you know. Um, but just think about that in relationship to what we're talking about, in relationship to people of color. Just mm-hmm. think about the, the, what we have to maintain right. psychologically in order to continue that along yeah. years, days, right. even minutes. Yeah. And on top of that, we live in a white society, as right. as Bell was it Bell Hooks that says whites uh, white supremacist capitalistic, what is that that phrase? 
I'm not familiar. Oh, what? Okay, you're not familiar with the phrase or you're not familiar with bell hooks? No, I'm familiar with the phrase. Phrase, okay. And it might not be bell hooks. It might be, um, uh, what's her name? Oh, I can't think of but it. But that's that double consciousness thing that you go back to. It's beyond double yeah, consciousness, but beyond, that's what I'm yeah, trying to get yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. saying that mm -hmm. just consider what we have, the baggage we have to maintain right. on such a high level of consciousness. Right. Even just to get to, to address these right. issues of urgency. Right. I want to um, um, come to some, some closing questions for you. Um, pivoting back kind of to the art industry as a whole um, and the work that you do and the message, mm -hmm. the urgent message that you're sending <laughs> with your work. Um, what are some of the things the art industry needs to address so it can be more spaces for you and others that do your type of art, that has your type of message um, to amplify that? Um, what does that allyship look like? Hmm. And, what does it, and what doesn't it look like? <laughs> hmm. um, I, you know, I, I know that I've been asked this question before and my, I think my answer is the same in that I, because it's really requesting a level of consciousness. Okay. I need more people to be self-aware. I need okay. people more, to be more conscious of, of how you how you show up in the world and i know that's very broad mm -hmm. but it's truth right. because whether you are the president of the united states whether you are a congressman whether you are a art curator whether you are an art historian it's like i need you to see if you are only looking around and you only see your reflection you are part of the problem Hmm. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, no. And I don't have to be I don't have to be as creative, you know, and try to I'm actually I'm tired of that. Come to think of it. I'm tired of like um I think somebody told me that I <laughs> told me earlier today that I sometimes I don't I I I don't beat around the bush. Do you know how tiring it is to beat around the bush, especially when you're beating the same damn bush over and over again? Right. All right. Ain't no bush left. Thank you. And why do I have to, to hit on it? Why can't you be self-aware? Why can't you see how you are showing up in the world and how you are you, they want slowly you to make feel comfortable. cutting, beating, traumatizing people? Mm -hmm. no, because they want to feel comfortable and safe. They do. But it's absolute truth. That's, that's what that is. That is absolute truth. But hey, as we know, we all can't be comfortable and safe. <laughs> so, you know, learn how to navigate it like many of us do. Um, Bump that. I am comfortable and safe. I'm claiming that. Oh, yeah. And brave. Hey, yeah. <laughs> claim that too. And brave. Claim it. <laughs> Shit, claim that. Um, how can community support more of art, more of this type of messaging in art? What can community do, not just here in Nashville, but in D.C. and just throughout the United States, throughout the world, um, and be more intentional? about amplifying from a grassroots, boots on the ground, just supporter, but also somebody that, you know, that also cares about the same issues that the art is representing and calling out. So I'm gonna pull in um, one of the other parts of an earlier question. And when you mentioned in relationship to what's going on about, um, you know, Supreme Courts and their decision about abortion laws and how, you know, 
insinuating by their decision that, that uh, having an abortion is not a, should not be an absolute right, right, human health Healthcare. care right, right? And so I, I, I absolutely, I think I had just gotten back from Venice and I was in, yeah, I was in D.C. and I remember just feeling like this can't be real, <laughs> you know, this cannot be real. Um, and I started to think about my own, my own life and or decisions and how, how I, I was analyzing how I've tried to show up for myself and for others and, and, and then through my work, right, in the world and thinking, what can I do differently, you know? And, um, and whether it be showing up for, for protest, signing petitions, you know, and or seeking to, to better educate myself in certain areas. Um, and I was, how do, how do I continue to, to contribute? How do I, mm-hmm. so one of the ways, um, and I was thinking about is um, figuring out how to talk more about my experiences. And I say that meaning not that Amber Robles Gordon experiences are, are, are more valid or whatever versus anybody else, but I mean my female, my woman experiences, mm-hmm. right? Because that's one of the areas in which women, I want to challenge women to do more. And I say that because, I don't say that lightly, right? Because I think that so much is put on us, right? right? And that, that burden is heavy as hell. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely think not enough is put on, on men, our counterparts and our partners in these, these in creating children, flat mm-hmm. out, right. society. Right. You know, we can't do this alone. Right. Um, but I'm saying this in the sense that we have been socialized, women have been socialized not to talk about that this intimate part of our lives. It's been relegated to an intimate part of our lives. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, like I said, men and women create children. Men and women have sex, create children, and or decide not to, right? Um, And or, we're we're not even gonna, I'm not even gonna talk about the the, the situations in in cases of incest, rape, and forced sexual encounters, right? Right. But what I am saying is, even from a young age, we have been taught not to talk about our periods that we've been trained in, in to when we're uh, sitting and we have a dress on, close your legs, and mm-hmm. things like that. There, there's certain um, things that we have relegated to, to, uh, to, ha- to carry out in society undercover. Right. Make other people comfortable. Yes. <laughs> and ladies, Make men comfortable. ladies yeah. we have to stop doing this bullshit. Yeah. So. Because so, it's a form of control. Yeah. It's a form of how to hide what is associated with our womanness, right. our girlness, and not relegate it to a, a level of importance in relationship to this is how women and men show up in the world. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways in which I've decided to do that was to have more conversations with, with younger women mm-hmm. and or women in general um, like I, I was in a mall and I was, you know, uh, in a shop and I happened to start a conversation with the person that was, that worked in the store. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, somehow I was like, so what do you think about, you know, the, uh, what the Supreme Court has done? 
And we started to, and I said, uh, we started to talk. And one of the things I said was like, yeah, you know, what I've decided to do is I, I, I'm going to talk more about how um, I show up or how we show up in, in the world in relation to women and in the rest of society. And I, said to, and I said to her, I was like, think about that. When's the last time you talked to your father or the males in your family about either your um, personal experience, sexual experiences? Mm-hmm. And I'm not, being, I'm not saying it's to, be, to, to, to gross anybody out. Mm-hmm. But even the fact that I feel like I have to say that. Men talk about their sexual encounters or sexual experiences anywhere and everywhere they feel comfortable. Or, or not even feel comfortable, anywhere they want. But women are not allowed in this society to do the same. And I'm saying that it is all under the same guise of control. We're not supposed to have sexual power. We're not supposed to have sexual um, or even bodily, what's the word? Autonomy. Autonomy. And that's how, right? Mm -hmm. That's how in this 2022 that a body, a group of predominantly religious men and Republican can come together and make a judgment mm-hmm. on women. <clears throat> so I want to wrap around to the question a little bit. <laughs> How can people show up and support art in, in, in the messaging that covers those things you're talking about? Yeah. Um, but how can people show up for, for, for art that calls those things out? Uh, okay. What are some easy ways? Um, how can people show up for art? Damn it, I'm so wrapped up in uh, the other I know, stuff. Yeah, I'm like, no. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know um, it, you know. Because I think this, the, the reason I ask that question is I think this is, I think this conversation is going to offer a different lens on how people can digest art. Yeah. And look beyond the, the pretty colors, right. the dyes, and the, the, the visual component of it purely. And yeah. so that's why, that's why I ask how can people kind of support and show up for art that represents what they're doing. It just represents it in a different way. Mm-hmm. But if I'm an organizer, if I'm an activist, and, and, if, I, and if I care about reproductive rights or reproductive mm-hmm. justice... And I oh, and I know now. Oh, there's an artist that also cares the same cares the same way, and is showing that mm-hmm. I can I can I can uplift that, and we can we can work in community together. Mm-hmm. And, and you answering your own question, and I'm appreciative yeah. of it. <laughs> so so You're answering okay, your own question. So, but right. what I want to say, so in, in in what I was saying in relationship to how I am deciding to further show up in the world, mm-hmm. right? I want to challenge people. It's not just about that. Do I want you to see my art? Hell, effing yeah. Come see my art. Yeah. You know, um, but I want you to see that my, uh, I, we have to think about how we are engaged in intersectionality, you know, or how the intersections of how and what we are interested in mm-hmm. and what uh, is going on in the world. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my artwork, is it about aesthetics? Absolutely. Is it about materiality? Absolutely. Meaning the materials in which I've used to convey a certain, a certain concept, right? Uh, but my art is about environmental racism. My art is about envi- uh, how the environment, how we've treated the world and how the world is fighting back. Mm-hmm. Uh, my art is about um, breaking down and or interjecting and, and, and uh, challenging um, white supremacy. My art is about challenging colonialism. Um, fig- stop, I need us to stop. My art is, uh, is about, you know, science because there's science behind why, we, why these 
because um, we didn't talk about the, the, the way in which our environmental, um, oh, environmental racism shows up in the work, right? But it's also based on science. It's also mm -hmm. based on, on, on social, um, social studies in the sense that part of what the problem is is how the, uh, the U.S. Um, has not been um, taking care of, of its territories in the way that it should be, and it's showing up in the way that the, the actual facilities, the buildings, the infrastructure crumbles. We're talking about technology, how, how it doesn't, um, it's not as um, prevalent as it is in the, in the mainland states, United States, right? Or um, how we have, um, how it affects our, the agriculture in the territories. In the sense that if you, if you take the, the, the U.S. government, the U.S. Army, armed forces, annexes, takes land from indigenous people that they owned, right? Mm -hmm. And where they farmed, where they, where they praised, where they, they uh, uh, celebrated their spirituality, their connections, it causes uh, ramifications in relationship to their health, diabetes, importing, you know, so there, there's, there's all these Layers. things. Exactly. And I'm saying this is not just about art, although come see my art. Yeah. I'm saying we have to stop being one or two dimensional beings. And people need to hear that from artists. Amen. Because that's why we have this conversation. Because people <laughs> I need totally to agree with you. People need to hear that from artists. Because if we don't hear artists say that, most people are gonna think one or two dimensional about the piece or about an art piece, and that's all they're gonna be thinking about. But yeah. if, but if we have more artists that say, hey, hold on, wait a minute, before you just take this on visually, right. let me give you some food for thought so that you can digest with your visual lens as well. Yeah. And that gives that 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 invites people yeah. to look at it in a fourth, fifth, sixth dimension. Yes. Because we have to dissect the image. Right. And we can't assume that people are gonna do that. No. <laughs> right? You're right. And so so that's why I appreciate this conversation and I appreciate you calling it out. And that's why I was so intrigued and curious to have this conversation because I want others to to hear your voice and just that piece alone is what this conversation is about. And I have one more question for you that I'm gonna let you more? in. We got one more. <laughs> because we've been talking about a lot of I mess with you, yes. Injustices <laughs> and but a, a lot of anti blackness. So I have to right. ask I have to ask this. What is black love? Oh wow. Hmm. Wow. Um so I think black love starts within just like it does for any, any other people, right? But specifically, it starts with like um, loving your hair, you know, loving your skin tone, loving the way that the sun reacts to your body, you know, loving the way water, being um, embracing water. Realize that so much of who we are, not only the, the actual makeup is of water, um, but water is a conduit, you know. Um, I think it's loving the aunties and uncles um, that show up differently in your world. Um, I, I absolutely just believe that it's, it's self-care, it's self-love, and then for yourself, and then extending that outside of yourself. Um, I also think it's a spiritual journey whether you are religious or not, because spirituality, it, it does not have to flow through religion or religious practices. 
um, it's cellular. And I actually think that black love is within us all, whether we want to uh, 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 realize it or not. I remember uh, writing a, um, a poem called uh, Deep Black. I think it was called Deep Black. And one of the things I would say is that like, when you close your eyes, what do you see? You know, that's black. It's blackness. It, it's part of who we are when you look to the sky at night. And, and I, I think um, we've been trained to run away from it. And yes, I'm associating an actual group of people versus a color, but hello, our society does that and pigeonholes us, you know, because of it. Mm -hmm. um, and blackness is love, flat out. Amber, I've enjoyed thoroughly this conversation <laughs> and I know the viewers and the listeners will too. Um, I want to give you the last word before mm. we close. And one, I want you to, you know, extrapolate on anything that we maybe didn't touch on that you want to add a, 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 a extra mm to, you know, some emphasis to, and then um, where people can uh, find more of your artwork online, um, reach out to you. They want to commission some work from you. Um, mm -hmm. And just stay updated on what you have going on. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I like to focus on with this, but with this um, specifically this grouping of works, right, is I say that that I, I started this journey to heal my five-year-old self, right. So um, I always want to encourage people to figure out what is ailing you. You know, because the way that our consciousness works, almost everything, at least in my beliefs, um, everything that we are, how we show up, how we manifest, how we, how we talk, how we treat others, how we treat ourselves, is a reflection of something that hap happened in the past and or that we're currently dealing with in our present, right? And... You know, and I know this is a bold ass statement, but all of us need to reach back and heal some aspect of ourselves, right? I agree. And this was my journey to do so. So for example, you know, and I remember I was talking about the smaller works, Place of Breath and Birth, that are specifically about my personal heritage or an aspect of my personal heritage. Um, and then, you know, then through that research, through that journey, through the, the back and forth between the, uh, uh, District of Columbia and Puerto Rico, I realized, and through the, you know, I realized that this is not just about um, the, the treatment of, of Puerto Rico. This is about a whole community of people. So what I'm saying is, as through healing yourself, you know, in whatever way that manifests for you, you can also heal others. Hmm. And it's like, believe that you have the, one, the power to heal yourself, and two, you have the power to heal others, right. you know, through, through intentionality. Um, and I think that's it. Oh, okay, so yeah, how can people, Amber, yeah. <laughs> Amber Robles Gordon. So my website is literally Amber Robles Gordon, A-M-B-E-R-R-O-B-L-E-S-G-O-R-D-O-N.com. My email address is the same at Gmail. Um, I am on Instagram. I am on um, Facebook, and it's my name. Well, Amber, um, 
and come you. see the show. Yeah, it's want... up <laughs> Titty Contemporary and it's uh, sovereignty, acts, um, acts, forms, and measures of protest and resistance. Shout out to Susan <laughs> um, for allowing us to use this beautiful space for the interview in Tina Contemporary right here in downtown Nashville on Fifth Avenue. Come check it out. Um, thank you, Amber, thank for this you. amazing conversation. The good conversation. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you um, just, just, yeah, I just hope you enjoyed it. And I did. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed your energy, your spirit. Thank you. Uh, thank and, you, um, No, thank you. And um, when you're back in Nashville, <laughs> yes, I'm giving you that tour. Right. And we're going to talk again. Okay. All right. So uh, I appreciate your time. And uh, thanks. Thank you.